knowing what you're willing to be ridiculously reliable for gives you a window into your big idea. Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. All right, welcome to another edition of your personal branding podcast, the Auto Brand Podcast Show. And really interesting to have my special guest, Rochelle Moulton, today. Rochelle, welcome to the podcast show. Thank you, Bernard. I'm delighted to be here. I want you to let listeners know who really is Rochelle. Let's hear you. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes they say that if, if Dan Pink... Seth Godin and Ellen DeGeneres had a love child, I'd be it. <laughs> and and I, I include Ellen DeGeneres not because I'm funny, because I'm definitely not funny, <laughs> but because I just, I love midwifing talent. You know, working with people who have a talent they haven't quite figured out how to market yet. I mean, to help with that is just a profoundly moving thing. I love it. And so uh, what that means is I'm a personal brand strategist. You know, I work with primarily consultants, authors, speakers, entrepreneurs, you know, people who are idea-driven. And then my core promise, which you picked up on, is to make them be unforgettable. unforgettable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, you saying the noisy, busy world, if you can make yourself unforgettable, you'll be just lost in the competition. Well, exactly. Exactly. That's the last thing any of us want. We want to be noticed. We want to be remembered. And when we have businesses that we need to project out in the world, it, it matters. It makes a big difference. Yeah, that's right. Rachel, let's delve deeper a little bit. What's the excellence of branding, personal branding in this age, especially to the college graduates? Well, I mean, I think it's hugely relevant, you know, and more so today than ever. I mean, you know, if you think about it, not only do new graduates have competition from their immediate graduating class, right, at their own university, but our societies are also mobile now. That new grads compete with anybody with their equivalent education and experience. So that could include people in their city, in their whole country, or, you know, even across the planet. So how you distinguish yourself matters a lot, and it makes a huge difference ultimately in what you're able to do, the impact you're able to have, and the career you're able to build for yourself. So uh, let's get some few pointers. What, what would be, well, where should they start from? Well, you know, it's, it's a great question, and maybe the way to answer it is to think in, in broader terms of being unforgettable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm, right? So. Let me just define what I think or what I believe that being unforgettable means. So all of us have this very human need to feel that we matter, yeah. that we've had an indelible impact on the people that matter most to us. And the way that we have that impact is how we serve. So it's how we listen, how we show we care, how we think, how we act, and really who we are at our core. So to me, being unforgettable isn't about fame or celebrity, although that can happen, but it's about service. So who and how you serve your corner of the marketplace, your world. So that's 
the key. And then, you know, we can, I'd love to talk strategies with you about, you know, how do you get to unforgettable, whether you're a new college grad or, you know, you've been out in the workforce or running a business for a while. Yeah, but before we get into the strategies, I think I'm, I'm on the same line with you as regarding your definition of being unforgettable. It's not just about being famous or known for something, but um, make sure that you, what you do matters. You have something of value to offer. Mm-hmm. I really, really buy into that because most of the time people think that I just need to be famous or to be that celebrity out there to make impact or to do something. But, uh, but I think you really clarify that thing. It's not just about being a public eye. Yeah, and it's, you know, again, it's such a personal definition for people, but I just believe that ultimately that's what we really remember is, you know, we look at their talent. I mean, if you look at people in Hollywood, for example, you look at people who have real talent, real acting talent or producing or directing talent, and what you remember is the pleasure that they gave you or from their talent, or you remember the good deeds that they did. You remember how they changed you. And so the minute we move our focus from us to them, right, to, the, to our audience, that's when you really start to move a personal brand forward. Right on that. So now let's get started. What are the strategies, the steps to making yourself unforgettable? <laughs> I love the way you say that, Bernard. <laughs> well, um, big picture, I, I, I see it as, as four primary things that you have to do. And so the most important one is to pinpoint your niche because that's the single most powerful move you can make when you're building a personal brand. So if you do nothing else, you have to niche, and I use that as a verb. Um, and what you want is a niche that's small enough for you to own it, but big enough to meet the plans that you have for your career or your business. And so another way to think about it is if you imagine you know, three circles. So your niche, it's the intersection of your talents, your passions, with the market that will pay for it. So it's it's got to be all of those things. You, you have to have some talent to be able to do what it is you want to do. It really helps to have a passion around it because that will fuel you when times get tough. And the thing sometimes people forget is you have to have a market that's going to pay for it, whether that's a new job or whether that's a business that you create. Somebody needs to buy what you're selling. So by doing that, you're essentially defining your playground and who you're going to play with when you choose your niche. So, you know, if you're a financial advisor who loves working with women who own their own companies, there is a market for that. Or you're a speaking coach who and you want to teach senior executives how to take take the stage, there is a market for that. Or you want to be a PR person who does crisis communications for healthcare companies. I mean, you get the idea. There is a market for it. So you want to start, especially as, as a new college grad, I believe, with some sort of a niche. And you can always make it larger as you grow and if your business is growing. But the power of a concentrated niche, especially early on, is that you can pull in the right people so that you can start building your tribe. And, you know, I, I've just, I've, I don't even argue about niching anymore. In my mind, it's you just have to niche. You know, no one wants a generalist anymore. And, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. And, of course, the challenge is, you know, choosing exactly that right niche, and and that's, you know, that's the fun of it, too. 
filtering is through the college eye. Just out of college, I think I studied whatever subjects or whatever courses. Uh, how do I begin to niche down to find in, in fine tune with my passion with a paying um, inclined or a ready market? Right, exactly. Well, let me let me take you to kind of the next step because I think that'll it'll help because it's a little bit these two kind of intermingle. So we talk about niche, um, and niche can be things like it can be an industry, it can be a function. So like an industry would be you know healthcare as an example versus manufacturing, and it could be a function. So you want to be in finance versus marketing or sales. Um, you can sometimes niche based on geography. Um, you know, it sort of depends on the industry and, and where you are on the planet. Um, but the, the second part of building a powerful personal brand is to really articulate what we call a big idea for yourself. And ideally, it's not more than, you know, seven or eight words at the most. And it captures the essence of your brand. And so, it can you can use it as a tagline, but you know, as a new college grad, you're probably not going to have a tagline, so it doesn't have to work that way. But it can be. So, the idea about that big idea is that it's an emotional call to action that's directed to your audience, your tribe, that revolves around and get this, it's how you transform them with your work. So that's why I use Be Unforgettable. That's my big idea. Because Be Unforgettable is what I want my clients and audience to become. And the way that I do it is, you know, uniquely Rochelle. But the Be Unforgettable is focused on the client and their experience. So um, Seth Godin, who I noticed you'd had on the show, if you go to his website, he says, go make something happen, right. which is perfect for him. Um, there's uh, Farnoosh Tarabi, who's a U.S. financial advisor. She says, you know, are you ready for a richer, happier life? So that's the idea behind this concept. And so you want to think of your version as the call to action for your ideal Tribe, and I'm going to talk about you know tribe you know a little bit more, but it's about what makes you unique and special and valuable. It's like your special sauce mm. because you have to dare to be different to be remembered. So if you think about you know how do you do this, you start with you, right? Because every person is the core of their personal brand. So it's really understanding. Um, talents and passions and understanding the things you want to use in your work versus the things that might be talents and passions that, you know, you do outside of work. Uh, just as an example, so let's say you're a brilliant jazz guitar player, but for whatever reason you say, you know, I love that, but that's my avocation. What I want to do for work is, and then you start to look more deeply at the skills that, you learn from playing jazz guitar and you apply that to the rest of your talents and passions and the marketplace in your in your geography, your industry or your specialty. Okay. So what do we do next? <laughs> well, the fun part is mm. is next. I think it's the fun part, which is you build your tribe. And you know, I use the word tribe. I think Seth Godin was the one who coined it first. And the idea of a tribe is that especially if you're looking for a job, um, especially early in your career, your tribe is going to be small. You know, it's going to be on the smaller side. And it's the people that you most resonate with 
that you want to connect with and be generous to. So if you think about it in not in a virtual way, but in a in a live in person way, these are people that you know you just resonate with and you're you may not even be sure why but you know that you're attracted to them you want to connect with them you want to be generous to them and then you extend that beyond the people that are in your immediate vicinity and that's where i love social media for this because the whole world is literally at our feet and you start to really understand the kind of people, the kind of experts, the kind of um, support that you would like to have in your network. And so then as you grow, whether you, uh, you're employed or you start a business, your tribe will grow too because you're working and connecting with people. I think to be unforgettable to your tribe means that you're generous. You know, that you serve them in some way, as we talked about before. And, and that could be something as simple as, you know, you move their, their hearts or their minds with an, a video or an idea, uh, or you teach them something, or you show them something they've never seen before. You give from strength. And by that I mean you give from who you are and what you believe. And as you do that, and you do this in little tiny increments, obviously, but you build a body of work. And so you share things that are important to you with the people that you most resonate with. And that's what builds these tribal bonds. So I think of it as generosity, authenticity, and resonance. So it's we're generous to them. They're generous back. We're authentic. So we're not, you know, pumping up some, something that isn't a passion, that isn't truly part of what we care about. Um, and then resonance, you know, we, that we resonate with certain people or certain ideas. And so all three of those things make you unforgettable and really can serve like catnip, you know, and it works both ways because, you know, one way to think of this is, oh, I'm at the center of my tribe, but that's not really true. The idea, your big idea is the center of your tribe, and you are in a circle with all the other people in your tribe. It's not, um, it, we're never at the center, even though the way we operate feels like that, but it's really the idea that you're working from and staying true to that core idea that you're committed to. And it could be, you know, as I said, the core idea, the big idea has to have resonance with the people you most want to attract. So it's got to be outward focused versus what's good for me as an individual. It's all about an idea, a concept, a way to connect um, with other people that you can really get excited about. And that's especially important if you're going to start your own business either early in your career or later. That becomes the base for what you build later. How do you be begin to build that tribe? I didn't find your niche and working with the open. How do you begin to build your tribe offline? Ah, good question. Because it's funny, it's it's so much easier now to do it online, online. than it is <laughs> offline, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I I can tell you a, a few different ways of doing it, and and one of the things like when I first started in in consulting. Um, I remember a mentor told me, and that was, you know, before the Internet and we didn't have email. And he said, you know, you want to connect with people at, at your clients. And in those days, you know, they would assign you to clients. So, you you know, you, you meet them just because you're on a team. And he said, 
you know, make friends with the people who you really resonate with. And what will happen is that don't worry, you know, you're the newbie. Don't try to befriend the CEO. That's not going to happen. Um, befriend the people that are at your own level or a, a level above or a level below, and you'll grow together in your career. And I thought, oh, that was really yeah. smart. And so it took the pressure off of worrying about being in some big meeting with the CEO. And here I was, you know, a lowly, you know, associate consultant trying to say something that wouldn't make me sound stupid. And instead, I really focused on the people that were around me. And some of those uh, initial clients I'm still in touch with now and have been personal friends. They've been clients, you know, here and there over the years. So it's, it's that building. So it's, the first thing is I go back to resonance. When you meet somebody in person, you, you know, and not necessarily in the first five, five seconds, but you'll know in the course of that initial conversation, whether it's a cocktail party or an event of some kind or a volleyball game, you, know, you can tell whether there's some kind of resonance and whether you want to know them better. And that's the start. And I, I just think it's, it's in some ways it's way simpler in person because you can ask the person, gee, I'd really like to get to know you better. Would you like to have, a, you know, depending on where you are, would you like to have a cup of coffee or would you like to have lunch or um, can I call you and maybe we could talk about our respective job searches or businesses. It's, it's doing something generous as that initial interaction and then, you know, following up with it which, you know, is, is harder when you have a, a big network, but easier when you can use social media to fuel it. Yeah. And so, so something, the, the easiest way to, is to do it is when you connect them in person, you you will quickly find out their social media handles to connect with them virtually, and then you can put them there. <laughs> exactly. Because it's, it, I don't know, it's just easier that way, I, I, I think. And you don't lose people that way because you've got, you've got them in there. And, you know, one of the things I, I use, online a lot is with Twitter is I use their list function and I find it really helpful especially when I meet people virtually but I haven't had a conversation with them because for me when I have a conversation with someone I almost never forget them almost never I'm a, I've got a really good memory that way but if we've just you know sent a couple of tweets I may not remember so I keep a variety of Twitter lists so that I can you know click on then I look at their picture I remember who they are yes good um, yeah, so so I love using the social media tools just to help manage all that and, and make sure that you know I'm I'm st I'm connecting with people that I resonate with and I'm doing it in a way that they value. Oh, amazing! Now, now that we have a, a growing tribe, uh, what do we do with that? Ah, uh, so um, I I think it's all about content. And well, it's content and relationships, but one can grow the other. So um, let's let's separate um, people who are going to be employed and people who are starting businesses. So if you're employed, you know you're building your tribe through the people that you meet every day on your job, and those could be local, depending on your company, they could be uh, national or international, and so it's. Really, it's one person at a time, and it's not worrying about volume. It's worrying about connection. Um, if you have a business, and that business requires that you sell to some population, you know, some 
subset of your tribe, then you've got a more immediate need because you're not just trying to get to know people for 20 years. You're trying to also sell them short term on something that you're offering them, whether that's a product, a book, a service. Um, you you want to sell sell them. Again, you, I go back to being unforgettable is the same, whether it's five minutes from now or 50 years from now. It's you still have to work on on the generosity. You have to work on um, um, with people that you resonate with. So it's really about building those bonds. And with business, I would say that's where content comes in. So you can, quote unquote, market to all of your tribe or some portion of your tribe with information that you've developed, like like your podcast, Bernard. It's a podcast is a brilliant way to do that, where you're you're offering value and you're also offering them a way to connect. You know, you have people who listen to your your cast and they talk about them online and they bring you into the conversation and you're building that relationship and just a little bit at a time. And it's, I mean, especially content, sometimes people who are in a business are worried about developing content because it feels like the slow road. You know, it feels like, oh, my God, I have to put in all these hours and and it's going to take forever to do this video or these podcasts or all of that. But those are all an investment in the future and an investment as long as they're all tied back to this core idea, this big idea that you're working on, they are building your tribe. And that, you know, we, everybody wants to be able to say, Oh, I have a tribe of a hundred thousand people that have signed up for my emails or I have 200,000 Twitter connections. I mean, that's all fine. But for most of us, it really isn't about the number. It's about the engagement. Mm. I just wrote a blog post about this in the last couple of days where I really looked at, is your audience big enough and right enough for your idea? And the point that I made is, you know, you could have a thousand people in your in your email list, people who want to hear from you on a regular basis or want to be connected with you. And you could come up with, you know, a $500 product and get you know, a direct response rate, which is like 2% of the people you offer it to pick it and, and you, you get some money, you know, not a lot. But if that's a really engaged population, that thousand or 2000 people is really engaged, you could get as much as 10% of the people that say, yes, I'm going to buy this. And all of a sudden, you know, it's instead of say $20,000 or $10,000, it's 50,000 or $100,000. So the, the absolute number isn't as important as the people who are engaged with you. Mm. Those are the people who will look at your emails. They, If you're looking for a job, they will take your calls. Um, they will help you, just like you're going to help them. Again, this is a two-way street. But that's really um, content and relationships are the two, depending on, you know, what you're doing for your profession, if you're an employee or you're a business owner, those are the two keys to building your tribe. It's actually the four that, that offends them because they have something to feed on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and you think about, I mean, we all laugh about, you know, cat videos, right, on the Internet. But people laugh about those. And those are things that, you know, that we share with friends. And I use friends very loosely. I'm talking about, like, Facebook friends, mm -hmm. for example. And we have a good laugh about it. And it's, 
I mean, that helps to build friendships as well. It's not all about being serious and providing value in every single moment. It's about being human. And, you know, if cat videos are your thing, you know, maybe not one every five minutes, but you throw in, you know, one or two a week and, and we're good. That, that's true. I mean, even in the midst of all that, the business and the business, we need to have some fun in there to spice up our life. That's, that's really the excellence anyway. Oh, yeah. And in fact, uh, one time I, I got a new client who had gone to my website and she was trying to decide if she wanted to use me. And she went to a page that I had about giving back, which where I told the story of my rescue dog and what happened to him and, you know, how he came home and changed our lives. And she said, I read that story and that was it. She said, I thought anybody who loves animals like I do must be okay. I want to talk to her. So you just never know what it's going to be that brings someone into, you know, your orbit. All right, that's true. Uh, people find yeah, uh, the connection factor in different ways. Too. You, might not, you, might, you might not have any idea, too. Yeah, exactly. And, it's, and that's why I go back to being authentic because, you know, I love animals. I mean, I'm just crazy about animals of all sorts. And so um, that's very real for me. So somebody who connects with that, that's authentic. If I said, oh, I really love cigars, which I don't, um, and somebody connected with me on that, it, there wouldn't be that authenticity. It would, be, it would be false and fake, and they would feel it. I mean, they would feel it. When they started to talk about, you know, which brand of cigars they love the most, I would be clueless. So, again, it goes back to, you know, being a, a full, complete person, but in an authentic, you know, mostly transparent way. So any anything else we have our niche we we have our tribe and we are feeding contents and value how do we just keep on the cycle moving well i think that you know again kind of big picture the the fourth thing is both the easiest and the most challenging right because i think that the key to being unforgettable when you have those other three things in place is that you have to have all of the elements of your personal brand in alignment. So the, you know, the pivotal three things that you use to build your personal brand. So I believe those are there's the stories that you tell. And we're talking about live and in person, the website, videos, wherever you tell them, the actions that you take. And that's everything from what you say, what you do, um, it, literally anything where you're, you're taking an action and then the visuals that represent you. And those visuals could be everything from, you know, an image like the one of you on your site with the, the tie and the, um, uh, the pocket square. Um, and it could be visuals that you use to illustrate uh, a blog post or that you put in Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn, all of those things. So it's the stories you tell, the actions you take and the visuals that represent you have to tell a consistent and hopefully compelling story that supports your big idea and is catnip to your tribe. So here's how I look at it is literally everything has to work in tandem, okay? Or your audience, even if they aren't conscious conscious of it, they start to wonder. And you know, 
just give you an example of something that happened to me a few days ago. I was looking at a site for a WordPress programmer that I might want to use, and her site was terrific in terms of what I was looking for. She had great images and smart copy, but then I got to her hourly fees, which she posted directly on the site, which was not a great idea, but her fees were about 60% of the market rate for experienced WordPress programmers. So she charged 60% or 40% less. All of a sudden, you know, I just wasn't as interested anymore. Like, so I had all these questions. So why were her fees so low? Could she handle the complex clients that I would throw her way? So we never got to the conversation stage because her messages were out of alignment and it made me not trust that she was right for me. And it's such a simple thing. So here she was, her, you know, her visuals and her copy, everything was, yes, I'm terrific. And maybe if we'd had a conversation, she would have been fabulous. And it was said, you know, if you thought maybe your fees are a little too low, which is not usually what you hear from clients. Um, but, yeah, it was out of alignment. And so um, one of the things that you really have to be conscious of, and this is true whether you are right out of school or you've been doing this for 20 years, is that everything has to combine to tell a story. So, you know, the classic thing they'll tell new graduates is, you know, take the pictures of you, um, you know, in a, in a bathing suit, dancing on the table with a big beer in your hand, you know, take those off your, you know, your social media sites. Well, yes, right, those are out of alignment. But also, when there's anything that doesn't fit. So, as an example, let's say... Um, you were really interested in, in social service of some type, and maybe you wanted to work for the United Nations, as an example. And you have things in your, if you don't have a website, you, you certainly would have social media, and you have things that are the antithesis of that, that talk about things that are very regional-based or that have hate attached to them, those kinds of things. It's Those are not consistent with, your brand. So it's, you know, the word to remember is alignment, 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 that everything comes together. And, and after you do it for a while, you'll, you know, people, you know, I mean, people start to feel what's really, truly them. And it takes a while. It's not like you just decide to do this and you get it right the first time. I mean, this is an iterative process where you try something and sometimes you, you know, you hit the enter button and it's like your hand is shaking, your finger shaking as you go and try to hit that enter button, but you do it and you, and you usually learn, Oh, well that wasn't so bad that, that, that felt good. Or, Oh, that really wasn't so good. That was a mistake. I won't do that again. I think the whole journey as, as a, as a learning process to, you keep on discovering and rediscovering things that you need to adjust to, to make sure you are feeding your tribe properly and also have been helping yourself by your client. And the, the, the factor about the pricing too, sometimes yeah, it's, it's one d- d- deciding factor for people, especially uh, when, when, like when you bump into that person. The person is just that damn good, but uh, pricing that low, you begin, you begin to give you a second guess about that. that is this person that good? Is it, is it worth my time, my investment? And it's, it's tricky a little bit for people when, they, when you are pricing your services. What advice do you have in that, in that, in that area? Oh, okay. Well, the, the first advice is generally don't put your hourly rates on your website. Uh, generally do not do that. Um, now, obviously, especially if you're earlier in your career, you may be signing up for some of these sites where um, you're competing against a lot of other people, whether you're a web designer or there's a service in the U.S. called TaskRabbit where you're doing errands and 
uh, helping people with moving, that kinds of things. But aside from all that, um, what you want to do is you want to price yourself in a couple of ways. You want to know what the market and when I say rate, it's not necessarily an hourly rate, but fees generally. So what's the market for what you're providing? Second, and this is where personal brand is so powerful, okay. is what, you know, what does your personal brand allow you to charge? How have you positioned yourself? So this woman that I mentioned, she had a lot of the accoutrements to, to position herself at the top of the heap, but her pricing, she chose to put herself at the bottom of the heap. So what does your brand allow you to do? And it's always fascinating to me that the people in you can pick almost any industry, any specialty, um, someone who's got a huge personal brand by huge. I mean, perhaps they've written a book. They speak about a topic. They write about the topic. They consult on that topic. Those people who are known are going to get a lot higher speaking and consulting fees than the person who might have the same exact experience but not as much visibility. And you might see a difference in their rates of a factor of two, three, even four. In other words, what I'm saying is it's possible to get four times as much from that kind of work and visibility than if you're sort of laboring you know, on your own in obscurity. And again, you know, we're talking about obscurity. I don't mean fame, but I mean that you're unforgettable to the people that matter to you. So, so that's one way to look at it. Another thing you have to look at with fees that I think a lot of people make this mistake is, um, it was a woman I talked to once and she said, okay, I've got this all figured out. I took all my expenses and, um, I divided them up and I figured out what my hourly rate needs to be. And it was really, it was actually really low. And she was worried that it was too high. And I said, okay, here's the thing. So you've done that, but that has absolutely no relationship externally to what you should charge. The first thing is, what is the market charge? And in her case, the market charged about three times what she thought she could charge. The second mistake a lot of people make is that they think they're going to be busy. And by busy, I mean billable every single hour of however they define their week. So if that's a 40 hour week, they're going to be billing 40 hours. Almost never works that way for a solo. Um, usually what you want to assume if you're billing, you know, by the project or by the hour, that you're going to bill about 20 hours a week on average. And the reason for that is because you're going to spend the other 20 hours doing the things that you have to do to sell your work. So whether that's you're writing blog posts, you're doing a podcast, you're doing videos, you're doing interviews, you're doing social media, that that has to take some time. So, you know, one way to look at it is to say, if I build half my time over the course of a year, and that's usually not the case when you're first starting, but then what would I, what would I need to be able to satisfy myself that I'm covering my expenses and investing for the future? That's a very personal question. And then you have to look at the marketplace and say, all right, so what can I get for this? So you might be brilliant, but if the market for your services says, um, you know, we're going to, your coaches in your area of expertise average $150 an hour. Let's just pick an hourly billing rate. And you realize you really need $250 an hour. So how can you show your value? Because there's nothing wrong with billing at the top end of it, but you have to show your audience that you're worth it. You have to be able to tell them the stories. 
that they can see how they can do that. You have to focus on results. So pricing is, you know, it's it's a bit of an art form with some science thrown in. Yeah, great. Great there. Rochelle, so what, what are the next thing that we need to do? Any other strategy you want to share with us? Well, I think those are the, I mean, in, in a big picture scheme, you know, when you think of strategies, those are the big ones. In terms of tactics, you know, here's, here's what I try to do is I try to pick three things and never more than three things that will work as, as tactics. And then you just do those over and over again for some amount of time. And some amount of time is not a day or a week or a month. It's usually probably six months at least. And you see what works for you. So, as an example, a tactic could be, like in my own case, I blog weekly, and I've been doing that since 2009, the middle of 2009, so I've got a lot of blog posts, and what I've learned over the course of time is that those blog posts build my tribe, and my client base comes in part from those blog posts. They connect with me over it. They might um, connect with my um my material and with me personally and it might take you know sometimes it takes a couple of weeks sometimes it takes months sometimes it takes years so for me that's something i will always do consistently is do that blog post for somebody else it might be well i think what i really need to do is facebook is my place that's really where i get a lot of traction and so i'm going to make sure that i'm spending time um, building my Facebook community, providing value to them with whatever that is. And it might be that you're curating things that other people have developed. It's not like you have to develop everything yourself. Mm. Um, and then, and, and you pick three things. And the third thing, depending on your business, might be that you're going to make a certain number of calls a week, like literally old fashioned phone calls where you talk to someone who is a potential client or a potential referral source. The key is to find those things that work for you because we don't have unlimited time. You know, we all have to um, create work for our bosses or our clients or our buyers or our readers, you know, we're working for them. So you have to find what works for you. And so, you know, the big, big picture strategy is niche, get really clear on your big idea, build your tribe, and then make sure everything stays in alignment. And then the tactics are, you know, what are the two or three things that you will do consistently, 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 consistently to keep building to grow your tribe build your client base or ready yourself for your next job if you're an employee oh amazing stuff there by rochelle rochelle now um, as we begin to round up um where can listeners connect with you and all the resources you have to offer are there any books out there that we can get all these there all the course materials where can we hook up with rochelle Okay, so uh, my central place is my website, which is RochelleMolton.com, and there is a place there to sign up for my weekly blog posts. Um, I am also very active on Twitter, and my handle there is at ConsultingChick, C-H-I-C-K. Um, I'm on LinkedIn and, and Facebook as well, but I would say Twitter and my website are the two places where I, I have the most interaction and there is, on my website, you'll see there's something called the Be Unforgettable Digital Kit. 
And what that is, is a, uh, literally a digital, um, set of files that have video, they have worksheets, there's some audio with it that allows the person to go through a process and brand themselves. Okay, so you can just head on to RochelleMalton.com for all these resources. Rochelle, what would be that one take-home actionable advice from Rochelle Morton that listeners must act on now? Well, you know, I, I was thinking about this, you know, Bernard. So a lot of times I see people get stuck when they're working on their big idea. You know, it can be really hard to see yourself clearly and appreciate your real talents. And so I thought what might be helpful is here's a way to get honed in on your big idea, which, after all, it's the heart of your personal brand and the heart of what's going to make you unforgettable. Mm-hmm. So ask yourself this question. What one thing are you willing to be ridiculously reliable for? One thing that you're willing to be ridiculously reliable for, because that's a big old giant neon clue to who you really are. So if you teach online business owners to make better marketing videos, so maybe you're so confident that you can improve their on-camera performance that you won't take a fee if the client doesn't see a real difference between the before and after. So if I heard that kind of confidence, that would tell me that you should think about focusing on the on-camera experience versus, say, editing videos. So knowing what you're willing to be ridiculously reliable for gives you a window into your big idea. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah, it's. A, I mean, it's. when you think about it, it's, it's, it's what we hold ourselves accountable to, and you know, ridiculously reliable means you're going to do it every single time. You're never going to miss it. And when you make that commitment to yourself on something, you know, that's that's a big clue to to where your big idea is and what you really want to be doing with your with your work. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rochelle, for all the information resources shared. I believe and hope that listeners will find this really, really resourceful and head over to your site for any other resource that you might need. Well, thank you so much, Bernard. I really appreciate being on your show. Thank you. It's a pleasure I treasure. <laughs> As do I. Alright, so at this time I want to recommend my latest book. So check it on Amazon.com today. Visit Amazon.com slash author slash Bennett Kelvin. The best is yours.